Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, hosted by the packaging pastor, Adam Peak, and brought to you by Specrite. Specrite wants you to envision a world without waste. Go to specrite.com backslash PKG to learn more. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this episode here of the People of Packaging podcast, and I am so delighted to be joined all the way from across the pond. That's the place, <laughs> right? Yeah. Across the, the pond. pond. The pond being the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, I'm joined by Sienna Dexter. Sienna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm pleased to be here. And you are, according to the internet, the director of strategy slash slash associate partner at Smash Brand. I am indeed. Yes, yes. I've been with uh, Smash Brand for um, actually just uh, just over a year, really, um, and in this role for just under a year. So um, exciting times. Yeah, I'm excited to hear how that all happened, and and really. My first question is one I didn't even expect to get into, but we were talking about sort of your your background and um, in university. I think you refer to it as uni. You say things way cooler than we do over here. Aluminium. I just want to be able to say it. I just want to be able to say aluminium and not feel like I'm I'm uh, appropriating British culture. But uh, aluminum, aluminum, aluminum. Yeah, it's <laughs> what, what's the other one? Grocer- groceries groceries i don't i don't do a good accent but um fine. Just i'm gonna just shopping over here you oh yeah shop- or holiday i'm gonna go on holiday i'm like that just sounds so so regal and we're Are just like vacation? or yeah i'm gonna tell you, i'm gonna go on vacation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. either way we're we're it's fine um but i noticed here and this this is we could really get lost in this but is this correct that you studied you have a a bat a BA in ancient history and social anthropology for ancient Near Eastern and biblical languages, literatures, and linguistics. Yes, yes. What? That's incredible. <laughs> it, well, it's 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 a lot simpler than that. It's a well, it's a BA. It's a combined BA with ancient history and social anthropology. So, um, University College London separated the two degrees and gave us a half degree in each, and then a combined course. It's quite exciting. Um, and then I also specialised in biblical studies as well and biblical linguistics, which is yeah, it's certainly um, segueing forward. It's certainly impacted my interest in how how people communicate how cultures communicate yeah. how brands communicate and the stories that we tell um that really transcend times and cultures i love it um so do you speak let's see what would it be greek hebrew or aramaic or- i actually so I, I did a course in biblical Aramaic. It was one of the units, which uh, I, I will say if any of my professors are listening, which I'm sure they're not, I took because it's really, really close to Hebrew and I can write and read Hebrew fluently. So oh, okay. uh, I got a nice, easy grade there, but it was quite a difficult degree overall. So I don't feel guilty. <laughs> got it. So so that was your background was in was yeah. was in Hebrew studies. Well, um, I'm Israeli, so I, I I can speak and read and write Hebrew, so it was uh, a, a bit easier 
a bit easier to get on that course and uh to yeah then then I suppose learn all about the ancient Near East as well which is was is really interesting to me and obviously close to my heart and my culture as well oh man there's so many things there's so many things that we could we could talk about but I know uh, but we're here for packaging we're, we're here, here for, for we're here for packaging I do I do lean a lot heavily because I I was a pastor for um geez 15 years before I got into packaging um and so yeah so I've done quite a bit of like even like master's level courses on uh you know, like historical literature like exegetical interpretive interpretive studies of like how do you how do you like unearth truths from you know his like like biblical history so um that is exactly I, what I studied we should really uh talk about that more someday yeah. oh yeah fascinating and I will tie it into packaging and branding actually because I think uh without getting too religious about it I think the Bible is a story that's literally transcended cultures, it's transcended times, it's transcended wars. It's uh, a story that is literally as old as time. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see how it's interpreted in so many different ways. And studying the historiography of the Bible is really just um, unpacking a story that is told cross-culturally and understanding really the strategy behind it so that's I suppose quite a quite an early example of my interest in how stories connect with culture yeah I love yeah. it uh and and you know there there is there is so, even just this week uh, I was talking with some people about the process of exegesis and how that applies to packaging design how that how that can apply to sales um, how that can apply to business strategy, uh, just, you know, starting with, with something that is like, what do I know is objectively true and starting from that as a foundation and then building from that rather than the opposite, which was like eisegetical interpretation, which was like, what do I want this to say? And let me read into it what my preconceived ideas of truth are. Um, I think is the, I think it's one of the most practical ways to to go through life especially when you're looking at creating something new or uh, or you know starting a new a new relationship if it's like i have to call this person back who reached out on a sales email or something like that right it's like <laughs> just starting from that foundation that i learned in my biblical studies and when i saw that i was like oh my gosh we didn't even we didn't even touch on this uh, we did talk about the history of the un, un what was it ucl university college of london so yeah, UCL, University College London. So um, I think it's like UCLA without the A, I think maybe. <laughs> University <laughs> of California. UCLA doesn't stand for the University College London A, no. <laughs> University College Los Angeles. Maybe let's just edit that bit out of the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, it's staying. It's, it's staying. a similar premise. I mean, they're not very creative with their names, are they? Yeah. Uh, Yes, there is some history to UCL. I can talk about it for a minute if you want. I just thought it was it was cool that you know you had this this enriching degree in this background, and you went to this this college that had historically been um, you know on the on at the forefront of a lot of social issues progressive. and progressive. Yeah, yeah, very progressive. So one one of the founders of UCL was Jeremy Bentham, who is a famous liberal and utilitarian liberal, the father of utilitarianism. It's really founded on liberal principles of allowing everyone an equal opportunity to uh, at least foundational equality and having equal opportunities to succeed in life and especially access to education, which is so important. 
Hey, let me jump in here with a quick break. Speaking of equal opportunity and access to education, if you want to get access to things like this podcast, different types of educational tips, sales tips, things like that that I'm putting out about the packaging industry, please make sure that you are on my email list. You can do that at packagingisawesome.com or even at packagingpastor.com. Either place has a way you put in your email address, you hit sign up, then you get you get to know when these podcasts drop, you get to know when I'm doing special events. I've got a kid's book coming out. You'll be the first to know when that's going to release, all sorts of good stuff. So go to packagingisawesome.com or packagingpastor.com. Either one, make sure you sign up for my email list. Thanks for the quick break. Let's get back to this interview with Sienna. I love it. I love it. That's great. Um, so, so you go to university, you study this, this fascinating world, and then, and now you create a uh, brand strategy for packaging. <laughs> it's similar, you know, it's like there, yeah. there's a whole journey there, right? There's a whole fantastic journey. Uh, if you're a fan of 1990s American <laughs> hip hop music, uh, Coolio had a great song, uh, come along and ride on a fantastic voyage. And it seems like you've been on one of those. <laughs> I think I've heard of Coolio. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, um, totally. yeah, I, I think going going back to uh, studying kind of anthropology at uni, you don't. You, I I never I never knew that branding was a thing. I I I had a thought advertising would be interesting to do, but back then it was a little while ago. There isn't really any help especially for those who aren't connected or closely connected in the industry to get into that straight from university. So I did I did have quite a segue in my career of uh, going to diff- different, diff- trying out different things. One of them being sales where I ended up for more years than I wanted, but really connected up really nicely with my studies in uh, sociology and anthropology. And then also my love of uh, the creative arts. I, I write in my spare time as well. So it really all tied up really nicely. I love it. And, yeah. and so you've been at Smash Brand now for, it uh, looks like a little over a year. Um, yeah. And so maybe let us know what, like, t- tell us a little bit about the listeners and myself a little bit about Smash Brand. I mean, uh, is it a, I, I admittedly did not do a very good exegetical <laughs> study on <laughs> Smash Brand. So I'm going to rely on you to uh, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about the company and who we are and what we do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we, we are essentially a brand and packaging agency that specializes in retail opportunities, helping brands to do well on shelf, particularly within the retail environment. But on, on a larger scale or on a bigger picture, we are essentially a brand consultancy. Our speciality is helping brands perform on shelf through a unique process of consumer testing that helps us to understand and create a map of how consumers are behaving, what are their tensions, what are the opportunities for the brand, mapping the competitive landscape and understanding how how customers are also responding to uh, competitor brands, mapping all of those out, making sure that our clients are distinctive, they stand out, and then all of that adds up to quantified performance on shelf. Got it. And in a, in a nutshell. And where are, uh, obviously you're in the UK. Is that yeah. where the company is based out of? What are you all across the world? 
No, the company's based in uh, in Boise, actually, Idaho. Oh, that's I remember that now because I'm in Salt Lake City. Yes. That's right. Yeah, that is. So you're you're Salt Lake City. So you're near Utah, right? Because I um, yeah. my geography it's, is still learning. The totally area. fine. Yeah, it, it's it's so I'm in Utah. So I live about a five hour drive from Boise. Um, actually, spend quite a bit of time in Boise. So um, right. certainly let me know if you're ever uh, having to travel over to Boise, Idaho. But um, absolutely will do i was supposed to be over there a few uh a few months ago in january february but ended up going to uh to utah actually for our um to meet to meet the partners so yeah that's great i was, I was in your neck of the woods then as they say <laughs> well yeah yeah they i don't know who they are but they say a lot of weird things. <laughs> i say yeah i say a lot of weird stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great uh so I thought it was fascinating when I was looking on the website. So if anyone wants to go to, it's just smashbrand.com. And I was on the website and you had all of this data that you don't typically, typically you go to, you know, kind of a, a, an agency or a design firm or something like that for packaging. And you see a lot of like, here's our portfolio. Look at how beautiful it is. And yeah. you all really highlighted like the very first thing was this uh, Yucatan guacamole. And it says, it just says 32% increase in purchase intent with millennials. And I'm like, that's a very specific thing to highlight. And it yeah. wasn't even like, look at how great our branding was. It was really look at what our branding delivers for the buyer persona at Yucatan guacamole. And I'm like, isn't that kind of what people want to know? Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think there's, there, I mean, you you could you, you couldn't go you, you couldn't go very far online looking at any agency without landing on awards, portfolios, uh, blogs, uh, posts, beautiful posts on social media, and actually, not very many go into how um, how the successes that they or the successes even that they've had for their for their clients in terms of actual sales in terms of actual revenue or purchase intent so whilst you know with full respect to you know awards which are lovely to have and also you know beautiful posts online which are also lovely to have where we've really carved out a space for ourselves is really focusing on what our clients need to grow uh, really dissecting exactly what success looks like for them. So whether that's uh, being moving from direct to consumer to being stocked uh, in retail, or quite often we have a brand come to us with a really specific challenge of wanting to be stocked in a specific store that they have a meeting with, uh, with a buyer. So it's our job to show very specific data of how we can prove that customers uh, will choose their product over competing brands or existing brands on the shelf. And the way that we do that is by measuring purchase intent. And you highlighted this earlier. Um, and you asked the question as well before, what is what does purchase intent right. mean? So it's it's very much as it as, as it kind of says, it's intent to purchase. So we measure that through our consumer testing, which we do. Uh, there's there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of newcomers that are doing consumer testing. It is uh, a, a very valuable and a very effective way of measuring 
how consumers will behave at point of sale. So very simply creating a map of what the needs are that the consumer is hoping that the product will achieve when, uh, when, when they purchase it. And then fitting in within that, the designs that you hope to bring to market, and then also mapping where they fit in alongside any competing brands that are potentially on shelf or within the competitive set. By doing that, we can measure how purchase intent goes up from, say, the initial design that may be underperforming or may not be attractive to buyers, and then measuring by interviewing thousands of people how purchase intent or a desire to purchase the product goes up alongside a new design. Interesting. And, yeah. and so you're doing that... So you're doing that obviously prior to the like I like I work for a company that makes packaging, right? Like we produce yeah. things and, and, you know, we always say like knowing discovering a quality issue at the end of the run isn't is, is counterproductive. I mean, it's helpful. Right. But it's like you want to you want to you want to get all of the problems out early on through pre-press, through all that kind of stuff. And you're sort of like the the pre-press department, so to speak of of branding where you're like we want to know within with with some very good data metrics is this new design going to be worth executing on um through this metric called purchase intent and even like i saw one for uh, i think it was a treetop that said like it was like eight some number of purchase intent over capri sun and it's like we want to know these very specific metrics because a rebrand or even a brand refresh is very expensive. It's very time consuming, not, not even accounting for all of the time. It's like the new printing plates, the new material. Sometimes you have to obsolete inventory. Um, you know, there's a whole world that happens on my end. And you're like on the front end going, we just want to make sure to the best of our knowledge that we're giving you objective data to help you make this decision. Absolutely. It's, it, it, it is about making that transition from 2D to 3D as, uh, as easy as possible, as profitable as possible, understanding whether there's going to be any challenges at point of sale. There is no point in going to print if your design isn't performing with your target audience. If we know that it's not going to perform better than your existing design, or if your customers are going to be alienated because they're not so keen on the new colors. We often see things like, uh, for example, in the hard seltzer category, we know that taste is a key driver to purchase. We know that if we're launching a hard seltzer, and we actually are working with a company to launch a hard seltzer, that we have to bring out taste cues on the front of pack. So for example, we will measure our designs alongside this. And if we know that taste is a key driver to purchase in that category, then we need to make sure that out of thousands and thousands of consumers that we interview, that our designs are performing on that metric better than competitor brands on the shelf. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just put mango on there, please. Cause I'll, I'll buy anything with mango. Just so you know. <laughs> Does it have mango? Interesting. I, I will put that to them. <laughs> really, it's about taking out taking out some of the guesswork. Because I mean, I mean, you'll know packaging is really expensive. 
it is uh -huh. an expensive undertaking, not to mention the sustainability angle of producing, you know, tens of thousands of bottles or uh, tubs or boxes. If you're not sure that it's 100% going to attract the target audience, then you've just wasted a lot of money and also mm. a lot of resources. So what we do is about making sure that everything is right before it goes to print. Yeah, there was a, an example of this where it's so critical um there was a brand it was a it was a spirits brand and uh i work for I, i've been working in like label printing for the last 12 years of my career and the spirits brand did their brand refresh i mean it was hundreds of thousands of dollars in new printing plates and all this stuff and you know we printed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of labels that all got applied to the bottles the bottle got you know rebranded put on the shelves and the trailing indicator was all of a sudden sales were plummeting just i mean like nosedive and like what is going on you know the it, it it they they went through the agency they did all the things well nobody actually reached out to the actual consumers of the product they're trying to reach new consumers trying to refresh and but their old their old consumers didn't even, couldn't even recognize the brand and so they just were like i'm going to move on to this other one cuz i don't it was such a far deviation from their current brand that they lost shelf recognition from their current consumer base and they had to pivot. They, they just went back to their old brand. They were like, yeah. you know, there's stories like that for people who are like, well, doesn't everybody do that? I think no. that there's, I think that you'd like to think that there was, but sometimes it's just like, this is what the founder of the company liked and this is what we're going to go with. And that's the amount of research that goes into the new brand. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I've worked at large ad agencies as well. It's consumer testing is something that used to happen so much in say, um, 40s, the 50s, you know, Madman era, they had little market research kind of pods within their agencies. And now that's completely gone away. We're relying on awards, we're relying on beautiful design. And yes, it is fantastic when a design can also look good and perform but it has to be performance first. We need to be delivering on our promise to help a brand generate more revenue. Otherwise there is no, you know, it's a piece of art. It's not a branding project. Yeah. I also wanted to add one more thing to that as well. And I just made a note of that. It's probably quite, it's, well, it's very important to highlight as well that uh, so our process doesn't just look at the design of, uh, of the pack, the design of the brand or the box, the packaging. We also look at something that we call pack, pack words. So the hierarchy of messaging on your pack. So a successful design needs to, first of all, make sure that we're expressing certain cues, like, for example, taste, for example, or um, uh, connecting with a certain audience, millennials or Gen Z. It's going to look a certain way. It's going to have certain visual cues, like maybe it's going to be neon yellow if it's targeting Gen Z. But also we need to make sure that we're saying the right message on the front of pack and also in the tone of voice of that particular audience. So it's going to tell that story on the front. And we do that by measuring the pack words. So we have a process called white box testing, where apart from all of the design, we just test how that story, that argument is resonating on the front of the pack. So if you think about it like, um, if you know kind of Aristotle, go back to uh, kind of Aristotle, the, the philosopher, the Greek philosopher, he, uh, he talked about how to make a good argument through combining emotion, logic, and also credentials, how you look. 
So what you want to do on the front of pack is quite literally have a good argument with whoever you're speaking to, making sure that you have the credentials, making sure that you, you're bringing that emotion they're looking for, and also the logic. So what are the call-outs they're looking for? Is it low in calorie, low in sugar, suitable for vegans, sustainable? We want to know all of that and make sure that we're hitting all the right notes to convert in those three seconds they're standing in front of the shelf. Yep. Yeah. And that that number is just going down, right? I mean, it seems like the the attention to detail is is getting or not attention to detail, but the opportunity to grab someone's attention because now you're not just only competing with the 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 things on the shelf. Honestly, you're also competing. Your physical product is competing with TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts, you know, like somebody is going through a store and they're on their phone. I see this all the time. If you walk, if you walk around the grocery, if uh, the shopping, if you go shopping, is that what we said it was? Go to the supermarket and, you know, everyone's on their phone and just walking around on their phone. And half the time they are scrolling. And so they'll, they'll take a quick look away from their phone and that's the moment you have to capture them is they've just been, they've just consumed a hundred pieces of content in the last three minutes before they've walked up and now they see your product. And it's like, are you prepared to interact with that person is a tough, that's a tough thing I think to, for a lot of brands to, to pivot into, but it sounds like, you know, through a lot of the data that you're utilizing, you're trying to grab like how how are how are people going to interact with this this particular brand on a retail shelf? Um, Absolutely, uh, yeah, it, it is it is competitive, but you know, actually, in retail environments, it is less competitive than it is online. Yes, sure. you do have to compete with people messaging their friends, looking at their phone. I know I'm glued to my phone all of the time. But when you're in that buying mindset of I'm going to look for my certain brand of coffee or milk or I just want something to have for dinner, then you are already there, ready to buy. You're mm -hmm. at the shelf. You're in a buying mindset. You're looking to spend money. You're not, you know you're not going to leave the store without it. So this is the ideal time for brands to communicate uh, with new customers, potential switchers. They're there ready to buy. You don't get another opportunity like that. Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, well, Sienna, we are coming up here at the end of our time together. I have... This has been so fascinating and I, I have I have so many more questions uh, and I'm hoping that people kind of leave here also with with similar questions. Right. We want to we want to leave a little bit of intrigue because just the for, for a brand, especially a brand who might be looking to get into retail or to understand how their consumers are buying things. Um, I mean, for sure, I think at least they ought to be reaching out, right? They ought to be reaching out to you and your team and, and having a conversation about what it is that they can do. Your work, it looks like you work with brands of all sizes. Is that is that appropriate to say? We do work with brands of all sizes. Yes, we work with um, challenger brands uh, sometimes on an equity basis. So, you know, absolutely get in touch if you're a brand that is, you know, has got a great idea and wants to launch uh to launch a product uh, with potentially some investment. We're interested in those two. We work with large direct-to-consumer brands. We work with brands of pretty much every category and every size. So absolutely. 
and DTC retail, uh, you're gonna is it is it primarily retail brands or are you yes, are you sourcing? Yeah, we, we do work with DTC brands. We have worked with DTC brands before and will continue to. However, our particular speciality is helping brands to launch at the point of sale. Our entire process is geared towards that. So whilst we can adapt testing to that, it's uh, we, we do focus on retail the most. Got it. Okay, well, that's great to know. And the, the best way is online, through LinkedIn. How would people get in touch with you? Yeah, you can you can drop me an email directly, Sienna at smash, smashbrand.com. <laughs> Mess that one up. Um, also, you can email our founder, Kevin at smashbrand.com. He is really keen to hear from anybody who has uh, uh, any cool projects to uh, to put to us. And we'd love to show you a bit more about our process, show you how it works uh, and how we can help you perform on shelf. That's fantastic. Uh, LinkedIn is fine too. Okay. Well, you know, email, LinkedIn, carrier pigeons, they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been great. I love, I love what you're doing. I love uh, the, <clears throat> the, the focus on, you know, not just like beautiful design, but also how is that design connecting and, and providing data? I think that's so needed. Uh, I'm grateful to know you and, and to learn a little bit more about Smash Brand. I hope some people reach out to you and Kevin and your team. And if you ever come out to Salt Lake or Boise, please, uh, please let me know. Absolutely. Will do. It was lovely speaking to you. Likewise. Thanks. All right. Take care. Hey, congratulations. You made it to the end of the People of Packaging podcast interview. If you want more packaging content, I want to encourage you to go follow my friend Corey Connors. The Sustainable Packaging Podcast with Corey Connors is great along with Avelio Matos. He has Package Design Unboxed, and you can listen to them wherever you find podcasts. Remember, packaging is awesome. <laughs>